and welcome to one of a series of podcasts exploring key issues or areas of interest in impact evaluation today. We hope you enjoy the podcast and please don't forget to tweet your thoughts at hashtag Impact Frameworks. Thank you for listening. My name is Mark Taylor. I'm Head of Strategic Partnerships at NIHR Central Commissioning Facility. And I'm here to talk about the history of the International School on Research Impact Assessment. And we will be uh, hearing today from the three founders of ISRIA. If I can ask them to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Jonathan Grant. I am um, wear two hats nowadays. I'm Professor of Public Policy at King's College London in the Policy Institute at King's for half my time. And for the other half of my time, I run a small company called Different Angles that focuses on the social purpose of universities and research. Hello, my name is Paula Adam. I am from Spain and I am Director of Research at Aquas. Aquas, for those that you don't know, is an assessment agency of the government, uh, depending on the Department of Health. And we do uh, assess research programs, uh, centers, and uh, policies. Hello, my name is Catherine Graham. I'm the Executive Director of Performance Management and Evaluation at Alberta Innovates, and I'm based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Okay, well, thank you very much. Jonathan, could I start with you, uh, although it's an open conversation to, to everyone here in the discussion. What motivated you to set up the uh, International School on Research Impact Assessment? Well, I've been thinking about this, Mark, since you asked us to do this podcast. And um, to be honest, I can't really remember. Um, I do remember Paula um, very generously inviting me to visit um, Aquas in Barcelona. Um, being a person who likes good food and good wine, I always say yes to invitations to go to Spain. Um, and then over dinner, um, Paula sort of raised this idea, could we do some training around research impact assessment. Um, and she had also been speaking to Catherine, who I also knew sort of independently at that time. And this idea sort of slowly begun to emerge. Um, I don't think it was one of those eureka things. It was just a sort of series of conversations with friends over beer. Always a good way to start things. So, so, so Paolo, what led you, what, what created that first discussion from your point of view? Yeah, uh, well, I, I do remember um, this magic moment. <laughs> uh, at that moment, I was um, involved in two projects. One of one was research impact assessment. The other one was indicators for healthcare performance. And I was invited in a summer school in uh, Venice, in an island, where I spent one week uh, interacting with academicians and practitioners. And then returning back home, I thought that this interaction for uh, these few days all together in a, in, a, in a nice place was perhaps something that was needed for the research impact assessment community, uh, which wasn't uh, really a community at that moment. So that's uh, how I thought I could uh, talk to Jonathan and Catherine, who were the two contacts I had at the moment, the two international contacts uh, I had at the moment uh, doing research impact assessment. And I must say, uh, there was no, no other contact locally in, in my country. So uh, the isolation I felt uh, trying to do research impact assessment was the motivation for, um, for trying, uh, trying to, to do something together. So by definition, it had to be international because there was no one else. It, it had to be across countries. Exactly, exactly. So, so Catherine, what was impact evaluation like before the international school was set up? What sort of training was available from your point of view? 
Yeah, so I uh, very much agree with uh, Paula. I was feeling very similar to her, uh, kind of very uh, isolated. Um, it was very disparate. Um, and there is really no kind of one-stop shop where you could go either in terms of place or in terms of course that was comprehensive um, um, in terms of what the offering was in terms of impact uh, assessment. And for me, um, uh, Paula um, called me. It was a very seminal moment for me um, because I was feeling very uh, similar to Paula, um, you know, to, you know, quite lonely, actually, <laughs> sitting in my little office, um, but really wanting um, kind of the same aspirations and feeling the same principles of wanting the community to get together to move this forward. And as Jonathan said, I had also been working with him separately um, um, and he was uh, very generous with his time in terms of um, being very established in impact and uh, advancing both the science and the practice. So uh, overall, did anyone actually understand outside a very small group of people what impact actually meant? I, I would say yes. And I think we as a community spend far too much time debating that question. Um, it, you know, it, you know, impact is dead simple. Do you improve people's lives through research? Yes or no. Um, and we can sort of come up with fancy definitions and um, wordsmith definitions, but at the end of the day, it's about improving um, improving lives. Um, so, um, in my mind, yes, we have a very clear idea what impact is. Um, I appreciate other people, um, you know, like to be more specific than my very um, sort of flippant response. Um, but um, I think if you keep clarity on this is actually about improving the lives of people outside academia, um, then that clarity um, allows you to really understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, and how you do it. So there was a knowledge of what it meant, uh, but there wasn't a, a, a broad agreement on how people might get trained up uh, or understand it from a practitioner point of view. Would that be a fair thing to say going back five or six years? Yes, I think the, um, you know, in one sense, Catherine and Paola can comment on this um, probably better than myself, but I think it's fair to say that most large research funders would have one person who was um, involved in assessing the impact of the research they fund. Um, and they may well be doing other stuff alongside that task. Um, so there was this lack of community and lack of network and peer support. Um, but also there's a risk of reinventing the wheel. Um, and I think at that time I was working at Rand Europe. And so we would get um, commissioned to do evaluations um, for research funders. And we would find ourselves sort of almost um, connecting people saying, well, actually, so-and-so and this fund over here did it this way. Would you like us to introduce you to them? Um, and I think one of the long-term benefits of ISRIA has been to create that community of um, sort of individuals working in separate organisations and, and indeed in separate countries. Very fair point. So, so Paola, um, the first ever uh, event was held in, in Barcelona. Um, what were your hopes and expectations of that first event? The hopes before doing it was, um, you know, just the creation of uh, new opportunities, in, uh, connections, in, um, creating interaction and mutual learning between the, the attendees. And uh, was 
the idea was really to create a learning experience. But I think we went beyond that because, um, at least for me, it was the first time I under understood what is an interconnected community of practice. And that's something that um, uh, beforehand, I wasn't really having this concept in my mind, but then I understood that this is what, uh, what it was. So I think, well, um, uh, also the hope was that um, there were very different regional uh, concepts across the world. Um, research impact assessment was more, more, more developed in some Anglo-Saxon countries, but in some other countries, it was still something that was completely unknown for many. So another hope, uh, this for me, was uh, spreading uh, the culture of um, um, asking and uh, questioning research impact uh, in, in other uh, international regions. For this, we tried to also invite people from uh, Latin America. We created some grants uh, to have practitioners from Latin America, but also uh, we tried to get uh, people from different parts of Europe and uh, even Africa and Middle East. So did that work? Did you get the audience that you intended? I think, uh, Mark, I think the audience was great. Uh, and uh, I remember um, receiving every morning the list of new registrations and uh, being very excited because um, I think we uh, managed to get a, a fairly group number of people, not too big, not too small, um, with... Um, variety of um, profiles and backgrounds um, and also uh, with variety in terms of experience on research impact assessment but it created a, an audience and a community of um, very much of um, uh, mutual learning and I think um, I, I would like to believe that everybody learned from this experience. So, I mean, I, I remember uh, it was my, my first uh, contact with the impact community per se. I remember going uh, for a workshop, but coming back with a community. So I think it is. It was a very powerful audience to interact with, and I think in that sense, it, it was it was an exceptionally powerful event. Uh, but Catherine, what what about yourself? How did you find the audience in that first school? Yeah, for me, um, uh, there was a huge diversity um, in terms of representation internationally. I think we had representation across fourteen to seventeen different countries. If I if my memory serves me, so uh, the diversity um, was amazing internationally, and it probably spoke to um, uh, partly this conversation that people wanted to connect um, with other people in the community. So that it reflected that. Um, for me, uh, in my role is uh, very uh, practitioner based. Um, so taking a lot of conceptual frameworks um, and implementing them and applying them in the field. Um, so um, as part of the course, uh, we put together um, um, the course materials um, with um, uh, practical tools and resources. So um, um, everyone commented on the weight of the binder because it was pounds and pounds, especially traveling in the plane. But really, um, um, you know, putting together that binder as a comprehensive reference of the community um, was very impactful for me. And as I said, literally the weight of it as well. Um, and, um, and I think with everyone there um, um, with that first meeting, 
Um, and as Jonathan saying, a lot of it was very organic. Um, and um, the connections that were forged at that very first meeting, you know, um, are still alive today. So um, I agree with your comment, Mark. So uh, apart from the weight of the binders um, and the fact we all needed to be bodybuilders to pick them up and take them home, uh, what, what were the, the, the lessons learned from that, that first school? So, so I was just... Um reflecting on Catherine's um, word there, organic, because um, the I think it's fair to say that the first Israel was very organic. Um, we, we wanted to embed the idea of being a learning community from the outset. So we rather rashly asked all participants to rate the school at the end of every day, the, the sessions from that um, day. And we used um, Uno cards. I don't know if you know uno cards but they have they're sort of um got color coding on them so red was bad and you know green was good and yellow was okay um and we gave everybody a uno card to stick on the wall um and on the first evening um i think about 80 percent of them be fair to say powder were red um and so we spent most of that evening rewriting the curriculum um and actually you know with benefit of hindsight whilst that moment was um sort of heart and mouth um, an incredible amount of hard work. Um, I think that community, which we brought together in Barcelona, really strengthened the course for um, subsequent um, sort of episodes in, in, in the next four iterations of the school. Um, but, it, but it was organic. And, and in one sense, that's what, you know, sort of community building is all about, isn't it? No, no absolutely. I, I completely agree. Again, remembering that first, uh, that first school, uh, watching it uh, evolve over the, the number of days, uh, not just the actual coursework itself, but how you as founders interacted with people on the course, uh, which I, I thought was absolutely fantastic. The, the, the importance of community, I, I thought, was, um, was brought across uh, very, very strongly. So uh, then it moved to Canada, uh, Catherine. What were you expecting as the, the conch was passed, the Olympic torch was passed from uh, Spain to Canada? So um, it was great um, because we had the experience of uh, Barcelona um, and we had lessons learned. Uh, so when it came to Banff, um, we refined the material, but really used the base of that and wanted to ensure that we can um, kept the community feel. Um, and so one of our challenges was uh, we did want us what we do did want and do want kind of smaller classes or courses, you know, around 40, 50. But uh, the demand in Banff and Canada was so high, it, it reached kind of um, 95 and could have gone higher, but we had to uh, cut it off. Um, so I think the experience uh, was excellent. It was, I was very happy with the BAMP course in terms of both the material and delivery as well as the sense of community. And over time, some of the alumni have become faculty or did become faculty. That's correct. Yeah. And that was um, a part of the strategy, really, um, is uh, to, for the community um, to um, bring it forward and advance it. That's right. So after Canada, the International School on Research Impact Assessment uh, moved around uh, to uh, Australia, then uh, Doha, uh, and finally uh, in Denmark uh, before uh, wrapping up in Denmark. What 
do you think the long-term impact of the international school has been? Yeah, uh, well, I think um, one of the most important things um, in terms of long-term impact of uh, the school is that we are currently a number, uh, there are a number of attendees in the, these different five schools that are now working and leading uh, research impact assessment in different organizations around the world. So um, I think it's, um, the long-term impact is the influence of these learnings uh, into uh, a number of organizations globally, but also the interconnection and this community of, of practice that, uh, that was uh, built at that moment. Uh, personally, in my country, it definitely made a change. Um, after the, uh, the five Israels, the, the five schools, uh, and uh, promoting different people from my country going to the different schools, um, we have been able to promote an agenda of influencing local research, um, research policy makers uh, and preparing um, similar seminars uh, oriented to the local audience and also implementation. So uh, what about yourself, Catherine, Jonathan? What, what do you feel uh, the, the long-term impact uh, has been, especially from a, a funder perspective? Because an, an awful lot of uh, funders have sent people to the international school and in the five years it was going. Have you noticed uh, any changes in the way funders perceive or impact or undertake impact assessment? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think that's quite a difficult um, question to answer without doing a survey, if I may say so. Um, so, um, you know, my perceptions would be that, um, as Paola said, um, it has built up that community. Um, I met lots of people who I didn't know um, through those various courses and continue to interact with them on a relatively regular basis. Um, and, it, you know, that international network is really helpful as well, because quite often when you're doing this type of work, um, somebody will ask, well, what do they do in such and such a country? Um, and you suddenly realise you met somebody from that country a few years ago. I wonder if they could help me out. Um, so I think, you know, so I think that that you can't, you cannot underestimate the power of that community um, and and the sort of soft network that is being developed as a consequence of Israel. Um, I mean, there's a degree of professionalisation, or at least I like to think there's a degree of professionalisation. I think, um, you know, I, 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 I you know, sadly, or sort of whatever the right word is, been involved in um, measuring research impact since I um, took on my first ever job at the Wellcome Trust back in 1997. So I've um, been doing it for a rather long time. And, and I think it was always seen as a bit of an amateurish activity. And I think we've um, contributed to the professionalization of research impact assessments. And I think that's really important because when you're... Um, assessing anything, um, if it's a good assessment, then decisions will be made um, based on that assessment. And it's important that those assessments are rigorous and fair, because when decisions are made, there are usually winners and they're usually losers. Um, so I think that professionalization is, is quite important as well. Absolutely. I think transparency in all things when it comes to impact assessment is, is an extremely important thing. And I think that came out of the school 
uh, over the time I was involved with it. Uh, Catherine, any any thoughts from you about um, uh, whether you've noticed any changes from an academic funder or practitioner perspective? And as Jonathan knows, I like alliteration, so I'm going to answer the question in terms of P. So definitely in terms of people, and, you know, in terms of the capacity, the number of people that were trained in Canada, we uh, continue on with uh, the regional courses and actually we'll be doing one uh, federally all going well um, um, uh, this year. So that has continued, so capacity. But I would see one of the bigger shifts um, that Jonathan is referring to in terms of professionalization of the ranks is really the um, capabilities and really uh, preparing um, the competencies and skills to be impact. Um, In terms of um, kind of the legacy, uh, we do know from the participants, um, a lot of them um, got jobs uh, with the title of impact um, um, and uh, advanced their careers. Um, so that's definitely great news. We did a lot of uh, good work um, in terms of uh, advancing standards and accreditation. So in the area now, you see much more uh, white papers, manifestos. Um, Israel came out uh, with the 10-point guideline. Um, and I think that's really helped uh, with the culture in terms of creating common standards. I think that the 10-point guidelines are uh, particularly powerful, um, and I think they've helped a, a lot of funders of mine, the National Institute for Health Research specifically, uh, when it comes to standard operating uh, processes when it, uh, for impact assessment. Uh, but, uh, but I'm wondering, now that ISRIA has uh, gone, um, whether any successes that you're aware of have emerged? I mean, what is ISRIA Mark II? Uh, is there ISRIA Mark II out there? The, uh, all the materials and resources of uh, ISRIA are in a web page and, and they are registered in the, under the Creative Commons. So they are available for anyone in, uh, globally that would like to, to use them. Uh, so whether they have been used or not, um, uh, we don't know how much, but uh, we have some ideas of, uh, of um, um, we, have, we are getting some feedback about it. So the resources are in the web page. Um, there are also um, thematic areas that have been explored. For example, a group of people explored the gender dimension of research impact assessment and did a call for action uh, to include uh, gender in research impact assessment. Another group worked on the, what is the patient participation or how, what is the role of the patients in, uh, in, the area of, in the area of biomedical research. Uh, in terms of um, participating in the in the describing and setting the agenda of research impact assessment, there are also a number of conferences called in the trenches that have been in different uh, regions, and uh, and as as Catherine said, there is a ten point um, statement. It, it, as I said, it's been very powerful. The community that's been produced, I think, has has um, has been quite successful in spreading the word, so to speak. Uh, but Catherine, going back to your point uh, about uh, the accreditation and standards, um, who's going to uphold that in the future, do you think? Um, how are we going to ensure that we don't slip back to uh, sloppy thinking um, and treating impact almost as a glorified audit process? 
um, I see that uh, advancing um, um, a lot um, across different areas, um, sometimes different languages used. Um, so I do see this as a great community to kind of intersect across some of those um, advances. So we know with the universities, there's um, you know a lot of um, work being done on societal impact, um, mission-driven, um, engaged scholarship. Um, also, um, you know, across the world, we're looking at industry who are focusing on environmental, social and governance models um, who are putting in um, um, investment ratings uh, to ensure um, that impact. So um, I do see um, um, the community as well as the broader community um, really advancing this. Um, um, sometimes it may get a little confusing um, because everyone's coming at it, as I said, somehow with different language. But as Jonathan said earlier, really ultimately it's um, um, looking at um, the difference research and innovation has made uh, and to um, citizens. So um, I, I really see, um, I see the, I see more work being done in terms of uh, standards. Um, and the other comment um, I see an opportunity is uh, to work uh, closer with uh, performance audits. Um, we're, we have just undergone a performance audit. Um, and what was uh, very interesting and I think very promising is a lot of the focus was in terms of uh, processes around uh, sharing lessons learned. So I think um, connecting up with the broader community um, in advancing these standards um, is, is a promising opportunity. Thank you for that. Jonathan, can I ask you a question? If you could go back in a, a, some form of time machine uh, to before the first uh, Barcelona event, is there anything you would have told yourself then that you might have done differently? I, I, in, in one sense, no. I think because um, I think what we got right um, was not sort of telling people what to do, but co-creating the curriculum as we went along. Um, so as I said earlier, I think all those people, especially at the Barcelona event, deserve credit for helping us strengthen and improve um, what the curriculum was. I guess my, my sort of slight regret is that we could never continue to find a, if you'd like, for want of a better word, a business model to keep it going. Um, because the, the effective model was that it was massively subsidized by the host funder um, and involved a lot of work by you know, the three of us and other people who were teaching on the course. Um, so I, I, I guess I might have spent more time, um, if I had my life over again, thinking about how to sort of sustain it in a sort of financial sense. Um, but even that said, I think the fact that we ran five courses in five countries and trained um, something like 400 people over five years. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't um, sort of give up on that as a, as a concept. I, you know, I'm deeply um, you know, proud of that contribution that we've made 
um, the impact of the impact, um, if you like. Um, so I'm not sure there's anything I would do radically different. Um, that may sound incredibly arrogant, but you know, um, I, yeah, I can't really think of the answer to that. Paula and Catherine, but Paula first, uh, any, any thoughts, that time machine, uh, anything you might have done differently yourself or uh, a particular memory from that first event? Well, um, more than seeing what I would do differently, um, I prefer to say what I would surely do again, which is um, uh, doing it with the, uh, the same co-founders. I think uh, uh, doing this together with Jonathan Grant and Catherine Graham was great. And uh, also in terms of learning, lessons learned, I learned so much from them. So I would do it again <laughs> with you. And um, and what else? I, I, I wish uh, if we had to run it again, uh, it didn't rain the first day because it was a little pity <laughs> that we couldn't see Barcelona from the roof of the Pedrera and this Gaudi house. Um, but uh, again, I think uh, it was a great experience. Uh, and, um, and I'm sure if we run it again, it would uh, turn out differently because as Jonathan said, we co-created on the way. So uh, God knows how it would come out uh, if, we, if we run it again. Ah, yes, the organic is real. Uh, Catherine, any final thoughts? Yeah, I would um, say it was a roller coaster of a ride. Um, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Uh, I think the, the principles and that agnostic approach uh, kept us um, um, solid. Um, it was all that was always clear to us. Um, what I'm missing, um, and if I had a magic wand, um, I think at the time, um, you know, as I said, was feeling very lonely. Um, and now what I'm feeling, and I'm assuming I'm not alone, but um, in trying to advance uh, both the science and the practice, the practice now the funders' perspective is uh, really having um, a safe place to develop experiment um, uh, in terms of impact to really um, advance some of emerging development work um, is really challenging and that kind of safe place to fail. So having kind of the idea of an impact action lab um, extending out from the principles and the structures of ISRIA um, would be fabulous if we uh, had that or would have that going forward. Thank you very much, uh, Paula, Catherine and Jonathan, for all your thoughts and joining us to create this podcast. Uh, but before we go, uh, the resources that they have mentioned um, that are available, uh, they're available at www the International School on RIA.com. That's the International School O N R I A.com. There you'll find the International School on Research Impact Assessment website with the history of the International School and all the resources that have been mentioned in this podcast. Thank you for listening to this podcast. It's one of four in a series exploring different aspects of impact culture. Please return to the website to discover the others. And don't forget to tweet us your comments and questions to hashtag ImpactFrameworks. Once again, thank you for listening.